So today, today is a pretty exciting day for me, um, being that we're about to wrap up close to being the whole Acts. We've got one more chapter to go. And for those of you who, who are not aware that we have been in Acts for three long years, three long years. It has literally been a journey. So before we get started, I want to read something to you. It's from Sermon Central. And it's entitled, Four Anchors for Life's Storms. There was a farmer who had three sons, Jim, John, and Sam. No one in the family had ever attended church or had time for God. The local church and a pastor had tried to reach them, but to no avail. Then one day, Sam was bitten by a rattlesnake. The doctor was called and did all that he could, but the outlook for Sam didn't look too good. So the old farmer called the pastor and asked him to come over and pray for Sam. The preacher arrived and prayed for Sam. Dear Father, thank you that you, in your wisdom, sent the rattlesnake to bite Sam. He's never been inside the church, and it's doubtful that he's ever prayed or acknowledged your existence. This may lead to his genuine repentance. And now, Lord, will you send another rattlesnake to bite Jim? And another rattlesnake to bite John, and a really big one to bite the old man. <laughs> We've tried to reach them for years, and it seems that what our combined efforts could not do, this rattlesnake has done in two days. It appears that the only thing that would do for this family any good is rattlesnakes. So Lord, send us bigger and better rattlesnakes. <laughs> Yeah, when I heard that, it was like, wow, Lord, no wonder I went through some, 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 uh, some rattlesnakes this week, some big, big rattlesnakes. All right, all right. So I just want to just, just kind of catch you guys up to where we're at, just for some of you who, who haven't been here. So we're in the chapter of 20, chapter 27, and we're in the, ending the series called Rising Tide. And so a little bit of background goes like this, so Paul... He's on his way to Rome, but God tells Paul that he's going to Rome. God's not asking him to go to Rome. It ain't no request. He's telling Paul that he is going to Rome. So Paul, in return, as they're on this ship, we're getting ready for this storm. As Paul, Paul turns around and tells the captain, like God told Paul, he tells the captain to dock the ship because there's a storm coming. And like most captains... Like be captains, I like most Hawaiians, like be Hawaiians, no tell me nothing, he never listened. <laughs> so, so the advice that Paul gave him, he never take him, and he kept going. So last, in the beginning of chapter 27, Kawa Marcus preached on what it means to seek out godly advice. Last week, Kawa Zeke preached on the results of denying godly advice. And this week, I will be sharing with you God's grace through his sovereignty. Can you all please stand for the reading of God's word, please? And if you have your Bibles, we, and if you don't have your Bibles, we would encourage you to bring them. And if you have them, please use them. And if you have some, you know, like I'm not too in tune with today's dates. I'm kind of a dinosaur. But if you have one of those phones that got a Bible app, by all means, please use it. Our reading today will come out of the book of Acts chapter 27, 39, to 44, short today, Hawaiian. So you know what that means? You can pay attention. You ready? All right. So 39, it says, 
Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed the bay with the beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. Verse 40, so they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, and at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was, be- and the stern was being broken up by the surf. 42, the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plans. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship, and so that it was and so that it was that they were all brought safely to the land. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word, for your truth that enlightens us. Thank you for you, God. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that more than just trying to relate to your people, I pray that your word will impact your people. I pray, Father, Lord, that it be none of me and all of you. And I pray that the hearts will hear you today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and God's ohana said, amen, amen. So today I have three truths of God's sovereign grace. The first truth is, God is sovereign. The first truth is, God is sovereign. Let me give you a definition of sovereign. It's a noun, a supreme ruler, as possessing supreme or ultimate power. Possessing royal power and status. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed the beach with they noticed the bay with the beach on which they had planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and then and left them in the sea. At the same time, loosening the ropes that they tied, they tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. Were striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow struck and, remo- and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. If we go back to verses 29 and 30 to 31 in chapter 27, it says, And fearing that we might run on the rocks and let, and let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for the day to come, and as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, and lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And we get to the beginning of verse 39 where it says, now the day came. Through these verses alone, we see it's designed to allow all on board to see the sovereign hand of God. They prayed for the day to come, and the day came. In Romans eleven thirty six, 36, it says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 tells us that yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom exist one Lord, Jesus Christ, to whom we are all things and through whom we exist. Here's the reality truth. R.C. Sproul says this, 
If there is any element of the universe that is outside of God's authority, then he no longer is God overall. In other words, sovereignty belongs to deity. Sovereign is a natural attribute of the creator. God owns what he makes and rules what he owns. As we move on to our truth number two, it said God's sovereignty draws us to him. We find this in verses 42 to 44, going back to our text, that the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land. And the rest on planks and on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to the land. In this truth, we see that God's word, God's promises are always fulfilled. Not some fulfilled, but are always fulfilled. What God says, happens. So now let's go back up to verses 22 and 26 in in chapter 27. And we do this because we are a church that's, we are an expository church. We speak from words, from, from books of the Bible. The blessing part that I have through this is that it has helped me to really understand things in context. And it also has helped me to relate in such a way that if we did a lot of more topical things that, you know, from where I used to study from, it wasn't to where I could totally in-depth and really understand what God's word is truly trying to say. So, as we let Scripture interpret Scripture, Acts 27, 22 to 26 says this, Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Verse 23 says, For this very night there stood before me an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, man. For I have faith in God. That it will be exactly as I've been told. But we must run aground on some island. So God told Paul that all would be saved. In verse 22, and all was saved. God also told Paul that only the ship would be lost. In verse 22, only the ship was lost. God also said that they would land on the island. And they did in verse 26. And God told Paul that you will stand in Rome. And he did in verse 24. The men saw God's promises fulfilled. Here are other examples that we look through in, in the Bible of God fulfilling his promises that draws people to himself. We see in Noah, as God says, that there would be a flood and there was a flood. We also see that when I looked at this, I said, Abraham. Abraham had a child and he promised God that he would have a son, that he would bore a son. But you guys know how old Abraham was? Bruh, don't do it, Connie. Don't do it. Stick to the text. I hear you, Paul. I hear you, (laughs) Paul. And Moses, Moses was promised that he would set the captives free, and he did. 
So we see in different aspects of the Bible, different areas of the Bible, that God was consistent with what he said he did. He fulfilled his promises. R.C. Sproul says this. Hawaiians. You got to open them up. Even Hawaiians at heart. Check this out. So check this out a moment. Most Christians salute the sovereignty of God, but believe in the sovereignty of man. Most Christians salute the sovereignty of God. What does that mean? Salute the sovereignty of God. Most Christians know of God. But do they really seek God? Or do we seek ourselves? Man, it's not. But here's the reality. Because we are still flesh, because we are sinners, us as humans tend to have a low view of God and a high view of man. You know when I would hear that? Every time Paul would say, low view of God, high view of man, you know that it took almost this whole four years of the existence of this church for me to really even get this much of what that means. Basically, what he was saying was that I had a high, higher priority of myself, that you had a priority as men of yourself than you did of God. A higher perspective. Whew. Don't do it, honey. Don't do it. All right, all right. So in other words, on our own, we will always lean on self. And man, which causes us to fall short of the glory of God all the time because of self. Don't want to run a rabbit trail right now. But let me just tell you right now what's really pounding in my heart real fast. When I want to do me, I can do me no better than me. I do me so good, it's as if God wasn't even in the picture. So this, when I started to look at this and I said like, wow, how do I have or how do I learn how does it become that I can pay attention more to understanding truthfully what is a higher view of God and a lower view of me? And a lot of it, as you hear it over and over, preached over the pulpit, spending time with God, your intimacy with God, letting God do only in and through you what only He can do. Amen? So, but God will always use our failures. God will always use the chaos in our lives to draw us back to him. So not all storms. In fact, I would even say all storms are good storms. It all depends on your priority or perspective of a higher God, a higher view of God, and a lower view of man. And that should bring joy and hope that hope is in Jesus. John 12, 32 says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself. We see in the text, in this text, we see a picture of Jesus. 
The centurion acts as a mediator between Paul and the soldiers. That's found in verse 43 when he said, But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. Here are verses that show Jesus as our mediator. Hebrews 9.15 says, Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal, the promised eternal inheritance. Since the death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 tells us that for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ, who gives himself as a ransom for all which is the testimony given at the proper time. And on to our last truth. Truth number three says, God's sovereignty moves us forward in the mission. God's sovereignty moves us forward in the mission. We see in our last verses, 43 to 44, that but the centurion wishing to save Paul kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land. And the rest on the planks or on the pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to the land. So you must be saying, like, Connie, I heard this text three times. Good. Now you get three less excuses for not applying. I know the word. Yeah. So God's plans will continue. God protected Paul and the crew from the storm and from being shipwrecked. God's promises, he told Paul, witness to the crew. God's mission for Paul is to take the gospel to Rome. Paul's journey was still moving forward in the mission. Everybody was moving forward in the mission. So what do we see from this? That Jesus points my brothers, my sisters, is bigger than any storm or circumstance in your life. Any storm. Do you believe it? Do you believe in the sovereign God? There's a life application. Don't let your circumstances stop you from moving forward. Hit a heart of hit a heart of this life application, guys. But use your circumstances as an opportunity. To be on missions and share the gospel to those who don't know the gospel. And I'll say again don't let cancer hold you back. You might be, yeah, but kind of, you don't know, you don't want a cancer. And you're right. I don't. But I know the one who can cure the cancer. And I know the one that even if he doesn't cure the cancer, what are you doing with your last remaining day? Whether it's days, whether it's months, 
whether it's years, those who have different types of sicknesses, and if you like me, those who sick in my head. None of that matters because you serve a big God over your small circumstance. Matthew 10, 18 tells us that, and you will be dragged before governors and the kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. John 1, 7 tells us that he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Let me ask you this question. Please don't answer. Just think about it. Just return. What is the difference between sovereignty and sovereign? Sovereign is the one that's in control. Just layman language. Easy, easy. So we all can understand. Sovereignty is the ones who fall under the sovereign. I battled with this for many years as a, as a Kanaka because I was caught up into mine. It's mine. Coins. I never even worked one day for the Aina. Even if it was Tutu Kane's on, Tutu Kane we put in the work. Now let me tell you this. Even if Tutu Kane we put in the work, no, it didn't belong to the brother. Everything belongs to God. Every single thing. You, you, you belong to God. And to the amens, to the yeses, and to the, those who are thinking about saying something but not like saying nothing. <laughs> if you belong to God, you can speak straight up, yeah? Or you're going to get them straight up anyway. If you belong to God, then act like it. Then act like it. Let God's word be your living proof and instruction for your life. I'm not talking about we're trying to be holier than thou. Though the word of God says, be holy for I am holy. But if you listen, it's for I am holy. We're still holes in the making. I'm not speaking at you for make you feel bad, but if you're convicted, then good. Beautiful job. Not on me. On the Holy Spirit. Every, every, every man that has, talk, has stood here has said the same thing I'm about to tell you. We're no different. If you only knew the storm I went through this week. Talk about overthinking. Talk about this. Talk about all of that. I never get finished with the message. Sorry, Paul. Sorry. I know, I know you're listening. 
till six o'clock yesterday. But you know why I tell you that? Because it ended well. Because it all ends well. Me and myself overthink, oh God, what do we do? How much do understand that? And then my man comes in and he says, Rest in my presence. So no matter what you're about to face, no matter about what you're facing now, and I know some of you get some deep stuff. Coins. I get some deep stuff. <laughs> no more even enough shoes for Kavaraman. But let me tell you this. God puts people in your lives for a reason. In this church, we strongly believe about accountability. It's needed. And it's been said that you will only be accountable as you want to be. I don't know about you, but I'm done with Connie. I'm done. I'm over it. You know, doing Connie, you know what happened with doing Connie? Doing Connie cost me 35 years of my life. But thank you, God, that it ends well. And I'm not talking about me for both me. Believe me, bro. Believe me. That is not. But in nine months, I max out. And it ends well. <laughs> Glory to God. But let me tell you this. What ends in one chapter is soon a different chapter to begin. So your storms, your trials, wherever you are in your relationship, in your addictions, refine you. He will shape you up right now. You know? And if you're not like, listen, like the Hawaiian, Jonah, when God told him, Hawaiian, Nineveh, Hawaiian said, Aole. He went the other way. What went happen? God had his way in the end. No matter what, God is sovereign. God's grace is sovereign. God, you're good. So understanding the difference and what this looks like of God being sovereign. When I truly had this, when, when I truly grasped the whole concept about what God really meant when he said that he was sovereign. There was another word right next to it that I couldn't separate and I still can't to this very day. And the word is grace. The word is grace. So in that, this is how I perceive God's sovereign grace. I needed to understand that, that Connie, in order for do what God only, only God could do. Oh, you gotta step aside. You got to be honest with who you are or who you're trying to be. 
tattoos don't make you kind of prison doesn't mean that you're tough kind of it just means that you got caught but for God's glory amen but I just want to say this as we get ready to have the rest of the team come up Hundred and seventy-six brothers was aboard this ship. Two hundred and seventy-six brothers got to the island. But did they truly understand and accept the truth behind what they saw? They seen God's promises fulfilled, but did they understand God's grace and His sovereignty? word doesn't say that the word doesn't even say what happens sometimes it's not only what the word of God is saying but I've learned this what isn't it saying God only you can The last thing I want to talk about is this thing that I call the three no's. I hope this rocks your world because it rocked my world. And at this time, as I started looking at things like this, perspective started for change. Heart started for change. Heart started for get right. Heart started for see, okay, God, it's because of your grace. I have nothing to do with it. And when I had nothing to do with it, then you could, then God started to work. And it goes like this. The first no is this. That in your walk at some point, mostly in the beginning of your walk, that's where I've experienced it, that the first no was you look around. You see the kamakane or the wind. You see them blowing. You see the cause and effects of what the wind does to what it's blowing. But you can't see the wind itself. So the first snow was this. That the obvious thing was something had to be making all of this. Move. Breathe. Whatever. The second no was this. I came to know God as God being the Savior. Came to know God as Savior. You know where I came to know God as Savior? Every single time that handcuffs went on. I was, God, please save me. Please rescue me. I promise I won't do it again. And I promise I'll give you my life. But I only knew God as a Savior of what He could save me from. And then this last part and this last part of knowing God. I pray. Most of you that I do know in this church, you're almost there. Not that I better, because I'm right there with you. Is knowing God as your Lord, as your complete master, as your everything. Because when you understand God's grace 
in His sovereignty. You will understand Him intimately through His Word as He builds you, as He grows you. Coins, no rush. I'll tell you that right now. Don't rush the process. Let God love you. Even through your sin, through your dirt. Let Him get in there. Let Him roam in you. And say, God, I get some stuff going on in my life. I'm tired of knowing of you. I'm tired of knowing you as my Savior and calling you only when you can fill in the blank. But God, I want to know you as my Lord. Complete Lordship. And the truth is, Lord, I don't know how to trust you. Teach me how. And the truth is, you ready? I don't even want to love you because of my sinful nature. Because your word says that we love you because you first loved us. So help me, God. Utilize your word to direct my heart, to shape my heart, to mold my heart. Not for what you want me to do. God doesn't want nothing from you. I want nothing. You got nothing. Shape and mold my heart for who you have called me to be as your child. So, how do we respond to this text today? Woo! That's bad. Simple. Examine your hearts. Right where you at. It's between you and God. You can respond. We will be responding as a ohana, as a church. We'll be singing with the with the worship team. And there's two other ways. Kawa Marcus will be here in the front. And I will be here in the front. Or you can utilize the altar. You can just come right up to the stage and pray. What I will say in this is between you and God. It's not between you and a sister and a brother sitting next to you, in front of you, behind of you. If there was any time that you wanted to get serious, get serious. You know I tell you the truth. The Hawaiian on probably on a Saturday, you probably let go, but they're waiting to see what you're gonna do. But only if you feel called to come before him. Let God chop that up in your hearts as we get ready to sing this song. Make it move. Thank you.